You're listening to another wrestling episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns, featuring your guy, Bully Rye, and PJ Steven, presented by Anchor Podcasts. That's right, everybody. It's a new wrestling episode here of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. It's your guy, Bully Rye, and back as always to talk pro wrestling is the wrestling show co-host, PJ Steven. PJ, how you doing today, bud? I am fantastic, and I am ready to get extreme with you, my friend, because we are talking about extreme rules tonight, am I right? And we just watched this, too, which is nice. Yeah, this will probably be the quickest turnaround of a pay-per-view that we have done in quite some time. We are here discussing Extreme Rules 2022, and with that being said, let's get into the opening bell, shall we? Uh, Extreme Rules took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Not sure the attendance, but it definitely uh, it definitely put some butts in the seats and some eyes on the product. PJ, do you want to talk about any of the uh, storylines leading in? I mean, we've got some stuff, some really good stuff, with which would would be the opening match and the you know the Donnybrook match. Um, but is there was there anything in particular uh, that this place? It actually took place at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Um, I really loved him incorporating Paul Heyman in the intro and all that stuff. What stuck? What stood out to you leading up into this pay per view, uh, or I should say, premium live event as WWE is now calling them? Uh, was there anything that stuck out to you that you were looking forward to watching on this show? Uh, so uh, a few things that stood out to me was uh, Ronda Rousey being on the cover, which was fucking horrible. Um, by the way, uh, attendance was about sixteen thousand. Uh, so the Wells Fargo Center is awesome because that's where actually my wife and I saw the Royal Rumble, I think of 2019, whenever um, Shinsuke Nakamura won and oh, uh, and Asuka won the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. So I love that arena. I love being in Philadelphia for wrestling. It's super fun. Um no, the things that I was looking forward to is definitely the Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins match. Uh, the way they've been building that up is super fun. Uh, I love the um, promos that has been going on with that. They're making it feel really uh, personal, and I've really, really been enjoying been enjoying it. Excuse me, I've really been enjoying it. Um, I was not looking forward to carrying uh, across carrying across and Drew, although that match was pretty good. I wasn't looking forward to that because. I'm not a big fan of Karrion Cross. Um, I wish that I was. But yeah, I just don't see a whole lot of special stuff with him. Uh, I, w- I was kind of looking forward to Finn Balor and Edge. An I Quit match could be, you know, really uh, the set uh, set apart for this um, this amazing feud. Because uh, it has been really good. They've been building it up really well. And I think that this is a good um, culmination, if you will. Uh, other than that, I mean, the card itself seems pretty well balanced uh, and we're going to get right into it i assume yeah um, but we're, yeah we're, really good stuff here we're looking at the match card and if you remember um if you remember anytime we talk about AEW pay-per-view there's like 20 cards uh 20 matches on the card right there was six matches here none of them went under 10 minutes um i thought it was a pretty balanced card uh conspicuous by their absence were the entire bloodline solo sokoa Sami Zayn, the Usos, Roman Reigns, none of them were on this card, which meant the tag team championships weren't here. The World Universal Undisputed 24-7 Hardcore Television Championship was not on the card. 
Um, but some really fun matches on this card, and I hate to keep using fun because I use that adjective a lot on my football shows. Um, I'll tell you, man. Look at the I, adjective. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Look at the look at the adjective play. Um, but no, uh, I if if I'm gonna be honest, I think I was looking forward to the Donnie Brook more than anything else, even though it was really, I guess, uh, irritatingly uh, dumb titled. Um, I don't know the exact adjective you want to use there. Um, but the Donnybrook match, it, the, the title seemed dumb. But based on the buildup they've had with this match, where you've now got, um, spoiler alert, uh, Gunther has gone over Sheamus twice for the Intercontinental Championship, neither of which were clean, I believe. Would, would I be accurate in saying that? Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and so now you finally get the Brawling Brutes and Imperium going at it here. Uh, in the opener, which was a good a good – uh, you know, setting of the of the what what's the word I'm not trying to use, PJ? Uh, set the stage for this yeah. extreme pay per view. Uh, so as you said, we're gonna get right into it. We're gonna take one quick break. We come back. We are gonna get into break it down. We are gonna go over this six match card, and in a twist, we are going to talk about the quote unquote, as PJ likes to says, Gaga in the main event of the show. Uh, that that. It would take place after the the, the main event went off the uh, went, you know finished on the show, um, but we had some really exciting stuff that happened afterwards. We are going to discuss it. We are going to speculate what's next. And folks, and folks, while we're taking this break, I want you to think about Ryan. I'm going to ask you this question, and on the break, you can think of it. Uh, what's your favorite uh, good old fashioned Donnybrook match? So think about that on the break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with break it down right here on Tapouts and Touchdowns. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina is your one-stop shop for all your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, One Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and most competitive prices in the Lowcountry. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9 star rating or on Facebook or by searching One Stop Repairs. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. Call today for a quote at 843-343-6310. That's the number one one-stop repairs. All right, everybody, we are back with Break It Down here, uh, where PJ, Steven, and I are breaking down WWE Extreme Rules 2022. It took place, as we said, this past Saturday. Uh, October 8th, 2022, out of the Wells Fargo Arena. Um, teased it sort of in the opening bell here. The opening match goes 17 minutes, 50 seconds. A six-man tag team match uh, that was that was quoted or that was, I guess, uh, titled Good Old Fashioned Donnybrook Match. Um, some fun stuff around the ring. I didn't write a whole lot of notes, but I did love this match. Um, PJ, I did not think about during the break uh, what my favorite uh, Donnybrook match. If it wasn't this one, um, I don't know which one it was. But I'm gonna let you start us oh, off. So, here. You, so, so you didn't you didn't do the assignment? Is what I'm no, what I'm hearing. I did. My dog ate my homework. But uh, wow. Yeah, I know. So, so nevertheless, uh, PJ, start us off here. How'd you feel about this match um, between Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vici taking on Sheamus, Ridge Holland? And Pete Dunn, because I refuse to call him Butch. Uh, really great, hard-hitting action here. I really enjoyed the spot with um, 
Sheamus getting put through. Uh, I mean, they destroyed the entire uh, ringside before uh, before the 17-minute um, uh, mark, which is what this match went, 17 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, love Rich Holland. Great spots with him. But I love the spot, like I was saying, with uh, Sheamus being on the outside, going through everything. And then just the pop when it's just Gunther and Walter. Walter and Sheamus doing eye-to-eye, really great things there. Does Rich Holland kind of look like a muscular Chris Pratt to you? I can see it, even though Chris Pratt definitely slimmed down and, and toned up for his role in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I can I can sort of see where you're going. Even when I'm looking at him now, I'm like, yeah, it kind of looks like fucking Chris Pratt. Yeah. Uh, love the spot where Sheamus is doing the 10 beats on the, uh, on the uh, apron, and then... <laughs> Pete Dunn. Oh, they jumped him, dude. Just start the knockout. Yeah, I really did enjoy this match. Uh, It's nice that we're kind of really seeing um, Walter be more vulnerable. It was a time where Walter was just undefeated, and he was just chopping and smacking his way to victory, whereas now it's like he's a dude that can get fucking wrecked. So I enjoyed that. I really like this match. I give it four stars. See, what I, what I, when you said he's a dude, all I could think of was the fact that I'm a dude and he's a dude. And we're all dudes. But we're all dudes, yeah. Um, that's a uh, all that reference for those of you who weren't, have no idea what we're talking about. Nevertheless, uh, PJ, this was a lot of really – I mean, they just beat the crap out of each other. Like, I gave it four yeah. stars knowing that it wasn't a wrestling match. Like – they could have called this a Donnybrook. They could have called it a street fight. It was just hard-nosed, beat the crap out of each other. And believe it or not, even in this match, they they sold the story that, you know, they isolated Sheamus. They, you know, like you said, they put him off. They put him through everything on the outside so that they could do Imperium versus Rich Holland and, and Pete Dunne. Uh, so you get that in the ring. And like you said, the pop when Sheamus comes back. Um, and then, you know, like you said, the, the, the beats of the Bowery on the apron when he just got where, where he being Guther got jumped. Um, and, and I, you know, I was, I did a preview show on, on the rundown uh, with Desmond Johnson over on tobacco road sports radio on Saturday. And uh, this match came up and he asked for predictions and uh, Michael that was on there with me. He said that um, he, it was, it was clear to him that Imperium was going to get the win that the brawling Bruce didn't need the win. And I argue that, no, I think the exact opposite. Sheamus is coming off of two losses where he couldn't capture the Intercontinental Championship. They have not gotten a win in quite some time. Um, so I thought the Brawling Brutes would go over, and they did. Um, with uh, They they would end up putting – Sheamus would put Guthrie through the announce table and come back in, and I believe – I can't remember if it was, it was Vici or, or Kaiser that, that took the brogue kick. Uh, but the Brawling Brutes go over here 17 minutes, 50 seconds. Fantastic match, considering that it was not a t- traditional wrestling match. Um, and you know what? When you talk about that bro kick at, uh, towards the end of the match, it was fucking stiff. There was a lot of times where I was watching this match, and I was like, ooh, that was rough. That was stiff. We keep talking about strong style. Like, you can tell these guys are from Europe. It continues to feel like even the war they had on SmackDown last Friday, uh, just it, it feels so raw and personal and hard-hitting, and that's I, – I wish – it's sort of like what we got with New Day and the Usos years ago when the Usos first started the Uso penitentiary. Um, I'm loving this feud, and I don't want to see it end, but with the debut of Logato del Fantasma, I don't think I said that right, 
on SmackDown past this past weekend. You've got Hit Row uh, that is back on SmackDown. We might actually get some really good rivalries here, uh, or at least some really good rivals for both of these teams. Uh, but I digress. I think we spent much, enough time on this match considering it was, if I'm not mistaken, this, the second longest match on the card, and it was fantastic. Uh, but there were five other matches in this card, and I know we're not going to do much of talk, talking much about this next match. The SmackDown Women's Championship match. Uh, extreme rules for the championship. Liv Morgan, the champion, defending once again against Ronda Rousey. I'm going to start us off here because I know how you felt. Um, there were some sloppy moments in this match, and I know we, we feel differently about this. But I was pleasantly surprised with some of the spots. I know there were some botches here and there. Um, but with, when you got Ronda in the ring and Liv, who, I mean, she's been impressive uh, in her rise. Uh, sort of to, still to be expected right now. Um, at one point, uh, Liv jumps through the table where Ronda's on it. I'm glad that the table actually gave because generally uh, when you've got women on these tables, they, they at least in the past, they have tended not to give. Um I expected the winner. I caught it once again on the rundown. I knew that we were going to get Ronda winning the championship. We are on the way to the Saudi Arabian show. Uh, you're going to have to get the big stars. Not, it's not saying Liv Morgan isn't a big star, but globally, Ronda Rousey is a more recognizable name. And so when they go to Crown Jewel, I expected Ronda to be champion going into that show. She does go over with a submission. Uh, sort of... Um, Sort of a weird spot here because she's, she submits Liv, but Liv is smiling as she passes out. I'm not really sure of the goal other than to say that she enjoys the pain. Maybe that's the angle they're going with her. But I digress. I gave this match two and a half stars because I thought it was decent, not great. I know you feel the exact opposite, PJ. Tell me how you think about this match for the SmackDown Women's Championship at Extreme Rules. Uh, this was a one-star match. It was dog shit. It was I I hated it. I hated um I hated it. you could tell that R Ronda you could tell that Rousey uh, was leading this match and that's probably why it, it was fucking horrible. It was botchy the chair shot uh or excuse me the the chair spot and the tor and the turnbuckle falling out them not knowing what to do. Uh the bat spot was cringy every time. And I, I you know you told me you were like, "Well, it's not a real bat." Well, I know it's not a real fucking bat. It should yeah. be treated it should be treated like a real bat. I mean, to your point, like Sting used to take out the entire NWO with a baseball bat. Ronda is basically smacking Liv with this bat and on the ass. Yeah, oh, I mean, I I yeah. loved it. I love getting a little, little booty it. spanking with the baseball bat. And, Come on now. But you know, what, you know what the worst part of it was? So she was holding – and, I, you know, Ronda's a strong woman. She's holding Ronda – or she's holding Liv with one hand and taking the bat over swinging with – and I'm like, that's not – that's that's not – that ain't – that's not what happens. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Yeah. And yeah, it. just – yeah, I hated it. The, the, the match to me was dog shit. Uh, although I will agree with you that – uh, the right woman won when you're talking about going into um, Crown Jewel. Uh, Crown Jewel, thank you. The Saudi Arabia pay, uh, pay per view. I still am not a fan of Ronda Rousey, and in that respect, I'll say the wrong woman won, or the wrong woman did win. Uh, but logically, I get it because again, they're going into Saudi Arabia, and that's what they want. Um, but no, well, I, I hate. I hated this match. Fortunately, this match only went 12 minutes and five seconds. Uh, honestly, the worst two matches on the card to me were the two shortest matches on the card, including the next one. We get Karrion Cross with Scarlett. I'm going to call her Scarlett Bordeaux. 
taking on Drew McIntyre in a strap match. The last match went 12 minutes, five seconds. This match went 10 minutes. Um, because it was so short, I'm going to I'm gonna go through my notes really quick. Um, for starters, I would do so many things for Scarlett Bordeaux. Um, uh, I'm just going to leave it there. Um, if you don't like carrying a cross, you should at least like the fact that he comes out with Scarlett every week. Um, nevertheless, it took forever to get the strap actually on carrying cross irritating as hell. Like let's get the match started already. Um, a super mid match, really weak finish. Uh, you had the fireball a few weeks ago that missed McIntyre. Uh, you get Scarlet spring. I still don't know what it was. Uh, I'll be honest. The volume was down because I was watching, uh, my South Carolina Gamecocks upset Kentucky Wildcats. Um, so I did not get to actually listen to all the commentary, but I know she sprayed uh, something. Sports. Yeah, uh, she sprayed something in McIntyre's eye that would lead to some weird, I don't know, clothesline. I don't know what you'd call the match, that he, the move that he hits. Uh, but I digress. Um, you know, if they're trying to build cross, I think they're going about it the wrong way. Uh, he, he always needs Scarlett's help to win, considering he's supposed to be this, Badass, uh, like strong, like like scary dude. Gave this match two stars. It might have been a little, a little too, uh, a little too generous. PJ, how'd you feel about the strap match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross? Yeah, I I didn't love it. I think I gave it two and a half. Uh, I think it was pepper spray too. By the way. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, uh, whatever it was, it just it, again, it just to me, it fell flat. So I thought you didn't. I thought you didn't believe me at first because there was a long pause. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, I was thinking of what possibly. I mean, I thought, I, I, I thought you were like pepper spray. That fucking idiot. It's not yeah. pepper spray. <laughs> yeah, it might be pepper spray, PJ. Like, no, I, was like, I mean, oh, I was, what? I was legitimately thinking, what else could it be? Could it, could it have been hairspray? I mean, pepper spray would make sense, but like Drew McIntyre's mouth was open. Like I, I just, I don't know. Anytime you spray something in the face of somebody, like. I don't know. Maybe the the NWO spray spraying everybody with spray paint sort of like I don't know lost its luster with me. Like I need a fireball to the face. I need a wizard like Chris Jericho hitting hitting uh, McIntyre in the face and actually landing with the fireball. But I digress. Um, PJ, the rest of the show. Uh, well, wasn't there a fireball spot with with? Yeah, oh, I um, mentioned it. Yeah, I mentioned it. So she missed. It, yeah, yeah, she missed McIntyre completely, yeah. and he still tried to sell it. Because she had to improvise and get him with a low blow because she missed. You know, I, I wish they would. I wish they would learn about fireballs and how like just they don't work. Like the mankind to Paul Barrett Undertaker back in the nineties. Of course, there's the infamous Halloween Havoc '98, yes. which hopefully we'll cover shortly. Yeah. Uh, it being spooky season with uh, Hogan trying to hit Ultimate Warrior with the fireball. And I want to. I want to get off topic for two seconds because it's so funny. Something to wrestle with. Uh, Bruce Pritchard's watching uh, Halloween Havoc 98 with um, uh, Conrad, and he's commentating it, and he goes, oh, fireball to the mat. Like, <laughs> and so it's good. so funny the way he pauses to the mat. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Well, it was, uh, well it, was more, it was more to Hogan's own face. Like, Hogan hit himself with a yeah. fireball. It was like self-fireball. Like, if you, if you if, imagine, like, playing Super Smash Brothers, and like you can hurt yourself, and you're like Pikachu, and you shoot a, a like a lightning bolt out, and it comes back and hits you right in the face and kills you. Like that's that's what the Halloween Havoc fireball felt like. But but yeah. I digress. Um, yeah, talk, no. talk about talk about shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, I think that's what the first women's match did when it compared to this next 
women's match. Look at you. We have Bianca Belair, who is your uh, Raw Women's Champion, taking on Bailey. And is this the first ever women's ladder match? Is that what they I were think, billing it as? I think they may have mentioned just a few times that this was the first ever ladder match between two women in which a championship was involved in WWE. Super, super fun. I really, I, I'll, I'll let you talk about you know the match. I, I just want to say real quick, I I loved this match. Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, um, PJ, there was a couple of spots in this match that stood out. Uh, Bailey would set up a ladder between the stairs and the uh, the barricade, and she would hit an elbow drop on Bianca that just looked ugly. Like I felt like she might have may have broken a rib on the spot. Yeah, um, they had a ladder that had broken at the seam, and so they were using that to hit each other with. Um, you didn't see anybody kicked off the ladder until late. Um, and then, uh, I think Bailey's knee brace broke and she pulled out a piece of the knee brace and legitimately in my mind, because I wrote it in my notes is like, is Bailey about to stab Bianca? Like, are we about to watch a hate crime in extreme rules? Like this isn't new Jack, man. Like, come on, you got to do better than that. Um, well, my thing is that they, that they were like, oh, he, she just took a part off the knee brace. That's why she was grabbing her knee, and she tosses the part. Yeah. So it's like, oh, she didn't even hit her with it. She just took it off just to show that she could take it off. I, that would have been was a, a weird spot. That would have been a really great improvisation had she been able to uh, to to work that in. Like maybe like get her to the forehead, like you know, like a cheese grater. Um, PJ, we I sort of was waiting to see what would happen. Who would get involved uh, to sort of help out? Bailey, because you know you've got damage control on the backside, and this match went for a while. It went 60 minutes, 40 seconds, and it went for a while before we finally saw damage control get involved. Um, but inconspicuous, conspicuous by their absence was both Alexa Bliss and Asuka, who's basically been in the background in, in the corner of Bianca for a while. Um, the match ended, uh, at, I wouldn't say abruptly, but um, you get Bianca hitting her KOD onto Bailey, and Bailey. I don't know if you caught this. She went chin first on the edge of that ladder. Yeah, she did. Oh, it, it, she immediately grabs the jaw. Like I was, like I. My first thought was, oh my god, we're about to lose Bailey again because she just shattered her jaw or broke her. Like, well, it, I, I think she grabbed her jaw, but she was also grabbing at her fingers because they got pinched. Yeah, I think. But my whole thing is on the. I thought the finish was actually really stupid, because why? That's, that's interesting. And here, I just I just talked about how great I thought it was. Like even though she took the she took a ladder to the mouth, I thought it was a great finish because I mean Bianca again the story being told she overcame all the odds. She still climbed the ladder after getting basically jumped. Um, you know she, she I mean she legitimately hurts Bailey and then climbs up the ladder to get her to get her title. So I love to finish. I'm, I'm yeah, I love I love everything you just said, except when you mention the fact that Bianca gets her up for the KOD. And for some reason, Bailey grabs the ladder and then holds yeah. on to it so that she could eat this spot. Listen, you know how I am. I'm adding logic <laughs> to illogical situations. It's been a but while like, since we said that. That makes me it's so happy. Really, it's really fucking stupid. Like I, The whole time I was watching it, I was like, let go. Yeah. Let go. Let go of the ladder. And then yeah. like, let go of the ladder. And then like it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what were you doing? Like, PJ, let me ask you another question about this match. There was a spot where, where Bianca tried to get 
damage control, EOS guy and, and Dakota or EOS. Yeah. EOS guy, Dakota Kai into like a double KOD. Right. Yeah. It was really awkward because she a couldn't little... get him. Like she kept going for the head instead of the legs and vice versa. Let me ask you a question. Does it scare you as much as it scares me after what we saw happen with Rick Boogs at WrestleMania when someone tries to hit the spot now? Yeah, it, it, it was a little nerve wracking because I was like, oh, my God, just 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 do the thing. I wish I mean, it looked good, but it still was it a little, for, yeah, uh, a little but scary. It, it took forever to set up. Um, and the whole time she's trying to get set up, she's got one of them already on her shoulders. Now, obviously, Bianca is a is a. I don't know, an athletic, an athletic marvel. Like she's, she was a track star at Tennessee. Uh, we've seen the stuff that she can do athletically, but after seeing Boogs go down with a busted quad going, putting two people on their shoulders. And again, we've seen it before, right? We've seen Cena. We've seen, we've seen other people do it. Um, but just, it scares me, especially when it takes so long to set up. It just gives that much more time for her to blow her knee out. And we don't need that. Um, yeah. But I gave this match three and a half stars. Once again, 16 minutes. 40 seconds. It was, believe it or not, the third longest match on the card. Um, PJ, give this match a star rating before we move on to the penultimate match of this card. Uh, definitely four stars. If the if the finish would have been a little bit more um, on the psychology side, it would have been four and a half. Yeah, it was a great match, man. And again, yeah, considering- fantastic match. Not taking anything away from these very talented women. Considering it was the first ever women's ladder match for a championship, um, I mean, they, 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 you know, sort of compared it to the Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, right? They were, compared it to some of the, the biggest ladder matches of all time. And so um, this is going to be a history maker because Bailey and Bianca uh, fought in the first ladder match uh, for a women's title in WWE. So 20 years from now, this is going to be talked about. Um, not sure if the next match is going to be talked about 20 years from now. Um, an I quit match featuring Finn Balor and Edge. PJ alluded to a lot of it um, in the opening bell. Uh, they've done a lot of, of really good building to this match. Um, we were expected to see some violence. We expected to see some uh, some interference, obviously. You know, Finn Balor, part of the Judgment Day. Uh, we expected to see Judgment Day make a run-in. Um, considering Dominic is part of the Judgment Day, we expected, at least I expected to see Rey Mysterio in this match. PJ, this match went almost 30 minutes, the longest match by far on the card, 29 minutes, 55 seconds. I will write before I let you start us off with this, that I, because of the match being so long and so much going on, I felt like it was like we were watching a movie. Like this was no longer a wrestling match anymore. Like this was a soap opera playing out in front of our eyes within one match. So it tells me two things. One, it may have gone a little too long, but two, if they could tell this story, like you're watching a story within a story that is Extreme Rules, they may have accomplished their job. I like the match. I didn't love it. PJ, how'd you feel about this I Quit match between Edge and Finn Balor? Yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, it, it did go a little bit too long, but there were some parts that I really didn't mind. Um, but it's still... You know, I, before, <laughs> no, before you go on, I do want to mention, you know I'm a, I'm a nerd for gear. And... Finn Balor came out wearing an awesome mask, an awesome mask. Like, a, like a, you know, you might someone may make fun of it because it looks sort of bedazzled, but it was like a, it was almost like a metal spiked face, and it just it looked so cool considering like what the Judgment Day is trying to be. So, so nevertheless, 
uh, I'll let, I'll give you the floor back because I, I just I always like to be a nerd for gear and and I wanted to mention that before you talked about the match itself. All right. Uh, so we get a handcuff spot. Uh, we get a lot of. Um, <laughs> we obviously get a shit ton of interference here. Um, you know. We get Ray, right up, Ray, Ray coming out. There's a lot of Gaga. I mean, I'll say it. I'll just shorten everything. Really big Gaga. We get Ray hitting a six one nine on Priest. That's there. Dominic Dominic starts punching Ray off the apron. Uh, punch that looks like a couple of mosquito bites. Uh, and yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of Dominic. I'm not you know shitting on him. It just looked bad. Yeah, it was bad. Cole was trying to sell it so bad. You know, what's wrong with you? He's your father, for God's sake. You Someone know, needs to slap this guy. Yeah. Someone, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a, it was a lot. Um, you know, Beth was running from the ropes. Beth hit a spear on Ripley. Big pop there. Yeah. Beth get, gets a handcuff key from Ripley. That might and, be the most just, anticlimactic way to saying we find we get a Beth Phoenix spot here, considering she has not been in any of the storylines. That might be the most lackluster introduction of, of some Gaga in a match that we've ever done on the show, PJ. I'm disappointed. Yeah. I'm kidding. No, Beth Phoenix did. <laughs> so Rhea Ripley obviously gets involved, and if if you're if you're anybody, you're, you you know in the back of your mind that Edge is married to a WWE Hall of Famer, and uh, we finally get Beth Phoenix coming out to to get involved, and like you said, um, she gets she gets physical with Rhea Ripley. Um, she would hit a spear and get Edge uh, uncuffed. Um, PJ, I will mention a couple things. Uh, they were trying to tell a story. Uh, instead of going for the neck, Finn goes for Edge's knee really early. Some old school limb targeting. Um, I thought the match started off really boring, really slow. I, you know, I also wrote in my notes, it, I'd be really interested in see how many of Edge's matches on pay-per-views or premium live events since he's come back from his neck injury that wound up in the crowd at some point. I feel like a, almost all of them have. Um, he does go, uh, I, again, I wrote down a slow-paced match. It started off really slow-paced. Um, I still hate that inside-out spear. Ed, uh, Big E tried it a few times. Edge has obviously done it. Got, coming from a guy that has history with neck injuries, um, I hate that inside-out spear. I think it's really, really dangerous. Um, I felt like we also had a lot of matches with some outside interference from factions. Uh, you know, you've, you've got um, at least Bailey. Uh, you know, had her her group come in, and obviously the first the the, the First match on the card uh, was essentially nothing about me, but factions. Um, but again, way too long. Uh, felt like watching a movie. I did like the fact that they got Beth Phoenix involved. Um, you know, I don't. I, I guess I'll just give away give the ending. Uh, they're they're you know Edge eventually gets a chair and, and gets Finn Balor in the crossface with the chair pipe. Um, Judgment Day helps Finn get it turned around. They they get uh, Beth down for the concerto. That convinces Edge to say I quit because he doesn't want Beth to get hit with a concerto. Um, Stevie Wonder in a soundproof room could have seen that Rhea was going to hit Beth Phoenix with the chair anyway, um, and that's how that's how this match ends. Uh, Edge goes down, quitting to help uh, save his wife who doesn't get saved in the end, uh, and and then the, the Judgment Day walk off uh, in. Uh, in victory. I uh, gave this match three stars because there was a lot of Gaga, but the, again, the Gaga told a great, a great story at the very least. Um, PJ, what, what, what kind of range you give this uh, match? And then we'll get into the main event here. Yeah, I did. I ended up giving it a three and a half. It did go a little long. 
it, I mean, it was it, it. It wasn't too long that it was boring. It was just too long where it was like, all right, we've we've kind of had enough here. Yeah, you could have um, gone home earlier and still told the same story. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, last up again, no no tag team titles, no universal championship. We finally get a payoff here. Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins in a fit uh, fight pit match. Um, I was sort of curious to what they were going to do because they've tried this in the past. Um, they get a UFC, I, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer yet or not, a former UFC light heavyweight and heavyweight champion. Daniel Cormier would serve as the special guest referee in this match. Um, 16 minutes, 35 seconds. Um, there was only, uh, there's only two notes that I have, and one of them is the finish. Uh, Riddle hits a senton. Uh, so I should mention the cage has two levels. You've got the cage where it would normally end. There's no ropes. Uh, when they say a, a fight pit, uh, there are no ropes in this ring. It is just the cage. And above the top of the cage where a regular steel cage would normally end, they have a platform that surrounds the ring. Like it's, it's basically like a lip that you can stand on. There were some fun spots on that lip. You saw an RKO hit, I, I believe. Um, you saw a stop hit or a pedigree that was hit up there. Um, eventually, Rollins would sort of assist himself falling off, and Riddle would hit a senton off of the cage that scared the bejesus out of me, PJ. But yeah. it was it was my spot of the night, PJ. How'd you feel about the main event of Extreme Rules, the fight pit match between Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins? While I hate the word fight i hate i hate fight pit i think that sounds really stupid oh yeah i think, it's, I think it sounds super pg and gimmicky. weird gimmicky super gimmicky <laughs> i just kept thinking like fight pit lol uh yeah i hated it but i loved the match the match was fantastic these guys told a great story they had a great showing loved the finish uh i gave it four and a half stars i really really enjoyed this match i really did yeah, I gave this match four stars. Loved it. Um, Hard-hitting. Sort of what you expected. Riddle does finally go over. Um, it's It was sort of something that, again, um, a blind squirrel finds a nut. Um, if, if you didn't expect this to happen, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Rollins taps out. Uh, you get Daniel Cormier kind of breaking it up like MMA style. It was really cool. Visual, at least. You get the cage fighter, Matt Riddle, Going over with another cage fighter, Daniel Cormier, sort of um, raising his hand in victory. 16 minutes, 35 seconds, and a really sort of a good finish to the pay-per-view. But that's not all. PJ, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to give this pay-per-view our final rating, and we're going to talk about what happened after this match was over and speculate on what is to come. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with the main event right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Tap Outs and Touchdown. It's your guy, Bully Rye, PJ Steven. Welcome to the main event of the WWE Extreme Rules 2022 show. Uh, before we get into the post-show happenings, PJ, what'd you give this show as an overall rating considering it was only six matches? And the only titles that were defended here were the two women's championships. Uh, the lack of champions didn't really uh, bother me that much. Um, the lack of quality in the matches bothered me. Uh, I give it three and a half stars. Well, I'll give it three stars. I gave, dude, listen, I gave, 
I would give this card four stars. If you took out Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre, and you took out Liv Morgan versus uh, Ronda Rousey. I mean, the matches that we loved were great. Um, yeah, and, that's and true. I, and I even thought, I even enjoyed the Rousey-Morgan match, even though, you know, you absolutely despised it. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'll give this match, this card three and a half stars. Um, some really hard-hitting action. And, and, again, you had six matches on this card, and it took up three hours. You know, so um, that tells you that we're actually getting wrestling on the pay-per-views again or on the premium live events again. Um, what we also got on this night was the debut of what has been billed as the White Rabbit. Now, if you have been living under a rock, WWE has built this, um, I guess, this program around uh, QR codes that's been on WWE programming. Once you would scan the QR codes, um, they would either give you just some little video. They would, at one point, sit you to the WWE shop to where they were selling White Rabbit t-shirts. Um, the season premiere of SmackDown this past Friday, Triple H turned the microphone around to welcome everybody to Friday Night SmackDown. There was a QR code. And in the video was like an 8-bit video that you heard repeatedly, let me in. PJ, again, if you've been living under a rock and you've never heard that phrase before, you sort of could could assume what was coming. Would I, would I be incorrect by saying that, PJ? No, you, you could definitely infer what was happening. And if you couldn't, you're in denial. So we got this series of the lights going out on uh, Extreme Rules after the main event, um, you would hear played through the arena. He's got the whole world in his hands. It was amazing goosebumps. Um, as as the they would sing through the chorus once, he would go back to singing the song, and you would see different pieces of basically the puppets in human form from the Firefly Funhouse, you got to see – I don't remember all their names, but you got to see the pig. Uh, you got to see the rabbit. Uh, you got to see uh, – what was what was the buzzard's name? Um, Mer Mercy the buzzard. Mercy the buzzard. You got to see all sorts of things. You got to see this sort of like um, – it would be hard to tell the millennials what this, what this you know, appeared to be. Um, but it was like a VHS tape that was that was scrambled or like the old scrambled pay-per-view channels, uh, for those of you who remember that. Um, and it's just, just it's really creepy stuff, man. Uh, PJ, go take us from there, man. What else, what else happened post this? Um, because this was – we talked about the returns and some of the best debuts in WWE's ever made. Despite him having put on weight, this is one of the best re-debuts WWE has done. Uh, so, so what kind of, kind of give us your thoughts on what was going through your head when all this stuff was coming, because we all knew what was coming. Um, but sort of give us your thoughts on what you saw and what happened as we, we got to see someone for the first time since it's been over a year since we've seen him. So, so we start seeing the characters, then we finally see, see who was described as the fiend. 
in the audience. We Ooh, see the so burnt good. up. We see the burnt up mask after he was caught on fire by Randy Orton on the announcer table, and Corey Graves and Cole sell that perfectly. Then we see. Oh, it was so good, man! Cole yeah. jumps up from the table, man. It was so good. We then see the uh, Firefly Funhouse that has been with cobwebs on it, and it just looks fucked up. Um, and it just looks uh, abandoned. Well, it's not abandoned. You see a man in a creepy old man mask. Then it cuts out. Then there's the door. One might call it a forbidden door. Oh, <laughs> that was good. That's good. Uh, and it opens, and there's light pouring out of it. And then in walks the old man with the lantern. He carefully takes the old man mask off to the tune of holy shit by this sold out Philadelphia Wells Fargo audience. And it is revealed, revealed that Bray Wyatt has returned to the WWE. And I could not be more excited. Uh, he looks great. He looked great when I saw him at the airport. Uh, he looked buff and built up. Um, Listen, and he that, cut. He 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 said two words. I'm here. And he blows the lantern out, and uh, we go to black, and that's the end of the show. I'm going to disagree because it looked like he had put some weight back on. Uh, his face was full. He had he had the belly that you could sort of see in the darkness. But I digress. We have all been wanting. I you know I I caught what you said when you said that he gained weight. I think that might have just been how the angle or whatever, because when I tell, I'm telling you the picture, I mean, you've seen, you saw the picture Yeah. when I saw him and that was only a couple few months ago. Um, As someone uh, who has dealt with weight fluctuation uh, most of my life, it doesn't take long to put it back on and to get, okay. Going. I got, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I did, but I would just assume that when he's going, trying to make a return that he's I getting agree. back in a ring shape, but um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what he actually looks like when he's, you know, when he's doing his thing. But, um, yeah, great yeah, stuff. It was phenomenal. Um, shout out to Dingo, former guest of the show. Um, put out a picture that, uh, that basically read, uh, hope this was intentional. And you talked about the door with the light shining through it. It was a blue light. The way that, that, uh, Brody Lee would debut in AEW was with a door with a blue light shining out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love the poetic uh, sentiment if it was indeed intentional. Uh, and a shout out to, to good old Luke Harper. May he rest in peace. Um, but you knew what was coming as soon as the song started singing. And, like, as much as you, in your, like, deep in your soul, you want to um, just get to the point. Let's see him. Everything they did was just, like, okay, okay. Kind of like if you, like, imagine opening a present at Christmas and you open this big box and there's a smaller box inside. And you open that box and there's another smaller box inside. And so you get down to that, that root present and let's say the present is like a thousand dollar gift card or something like whatever you have spent all your time getting to paid off and that's what we got here it was absolutely stunning there's obviously been rumors running running rampant around the internet about the potential 
of a new Wyatt stable. Um, even Alexa Bliss on Twitter shouted out, oh, hello, old friend. Um, there are obviously rumors that, that Braun Strowman is back. He could try to put the Wyatt family gap back together. So, PJ, let's speculate. What is next for Bray Wyatt in WWE, or what would you like to see next for Bray Wyatt in WWE? I'd like to see a proper title run. Yep. I'd like to see a faction is fine. Um, but I don't think he needs a faction, to be honest. Factions need him. He does need a faction. Uh, I guess the most important thing I would want is, is a title run, is a proper title run. Yeah, and the problem the problem with that is that you're not going to let him take the title off of Roman. Um, I, you know, as much as I believe that Cody is the one to take the title off of Roman, uh, it appears that they are building to the rock and Roman at WrestleMania. And I hate to say that because you don't need the title involved. Um, I still no, think that don't. there's a way that, to, that gets the title off of Cody or off of Roman onto Cody. Um, and then I even mentioned before that, that, uh, that Roman Roman losing the title to Cody, and then Cody would eventually lose it to Austin Theory. So speculative, I would love to see Austin Theory be not only behind Dexter Loomis being, you know, the one kidnapping Miz. I would like to see Bray Wyatt come for uh, Austin Theory, take the money in the bank from Austin Theory. And that's how he gets the title off. And like you said, we get a decent title run out of it. Now, it sort of defeats the purpose of the build that they've given Theory. But at the same time, you don't bring Bray Wyatt back and not have something in the works for him. So, I mean, the whole White Rabbit in and of itself was this giant build to bringing him back. Naturally, they couldn't not pay it off, right? Correct, yeah. So, to your point, a good title run would be crucial, especially to at least call this whole build-up a success. Um, I just don't see how they do it, man. Like, how do you – you want to see a title run. Like, how do you see it playing playing out that he eventually winds up with the title? I mean, you could – but you, you, you can do anything. You can go so extreme as to – Bray Wyatt uses his his magic to have one of the Usos turn and you know hits up Reigns during a uh, during one of their matches and Bray Wyatt goes over. Yeah. You can go you can you can be that gaga with it. You can I mean I, again, you know, I'm a firm believer in these are wrestlers who have bad days. Roman could just lose the belt. I mean, listen, I, it's going to be hard, and, and maybe maybe not from their logic. We talked; You already said it earlier in the show, logic to illogical situations. The last time we saw Bray Wyatt in a WWE ring, he lost at WrestleMania to a single RKO from Randy Orton. Yeah. Um, you would think that maybe he now goes after Riddle because Riddle is the one that uh, that teamed up with Orton. To sort of maybe draw Orton out of uh, his his hiatus, be it with an injury or not, and then you get to see Bray Wyatt get his revenge on Randy Orton for essentially like shunning him away from the company. 
Right. Uh, and then from there, you can build him into a program. And by that, I mean, that could take that could take you up to WrestleMania because Wyatt has already lost to Orton twice at WrestleMania, if you can believe that. Um, remember, he was WWE champion and lost the title uh, inexplicably. Yep, after, after Elimination Chamber, yeah. Yep. Because he uh, pins Cena clean. Yep. And then, like a month later, he loses to Randy Orton clean at WrestleMania after the the roaches and the bugs or whatever that would show up on the on the the ring. Because uh, we were, I was at, I think we were at that WrestleMania. Maybe you weren't, but I know I was at that WrestleMania in Orlando. Uh, that was also the WrestleMania that I believe Roman Reigns beat the Undertaker. I could be wrong about. No, that may have been New York. It doesn't matter. I'm getting it mixed up. That was Lesnar Goldberg three. At that WrestleMania, I can't remember who won the main event. Doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, Bray Wyatt lost that mania to Randy Orton for the title. And then 20, I guess it was 2021, because it was the year after COVID, he lost to Orton. Not necessarily clean, because we had Bliss like bleeding out of her out of her eyes um, to distract Bray Wyatt. And then Bray Wyatt eats one RKO and it's over. Um, so you could have him torment Riddle through the end of the year, maybe even into January, into the Royal Rubble to draw out Orton so that he gets his rematch with Orton at WrestleMania and he finally goes over on Orton. That would- Well, why couldn't why could I mean, why couldn't Wyatt win the Royal Rumble? I cuz I still think we're going to I still think we're setting up for Cody. Like people are are very very quietly forgetting about Cody because of his injury. I think Cody will return at the Royal Rumble and he will win the Royal Rumble. Like they don't bring him back last WrestleMania if he hadn't gotten hurt, I believe Cody would have already been champion. Um, or he would oh, be really? Challenged. You think it? You think it'd be it'd be that quick? Yeah, I think he would have won Money in the Bank, and he wouldn't have cashed it in, a la the normal cash in. I think he would have cashed it in on a on a pay per view, like, "Hey, Roman, I'm letting you know you don't have to worry about who's next because it at Survivor Series, it's Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, and I'm cashing in to do it." And so sort of like the old Cena approach, right? Cena at one time, he's like, I'm not going to – I'm going to do things the right way, and I'm going to cash in, and he friggin' lost anyway. So I, I truly believe that, that they're still setting up, and, and, and until I see otherwise, because, uh, again, the, the rumors that have it that, that Roman's going to take Rock, and Rock's getting older, so he's not going to be able to do it much longer. Um, so I still think we're going to get Cody and, and Roman at Mania, um, which, again, would leave room for Bray Wyatt to go against – a, a a riddle, an Orton, to get his his thing back. And then, obviously, we get money in the bank later in the summer, and that may be where Bray Wyatt gets the money in the bank briefcase, or that may be where um, you start teasing the title run. I don't think you can immediately put Bray Wyatt in the, in the title picture right now because I don't think right now he takes the title off of Roman. I don't think that you bring Bray Wyatt back. And, a, and like, even though he's necessarily like he's he's considered a heel, like WWE always pushes him as a heel, but the crowd loves him. So I don't think you bring back a guy that people clamored for to return to WWE to feed him to Roman Reigns. I mean, what, does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. And I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that they'll have some sort of series of matches to where finally Bray Wyatt will go over. I, you know, I could see that. Um, I mean, that would make sense. I don't think they can jump into it right away. Obviously, right. you've still got Crown Jewel to go, and maybe he gets a match with somebody at Crown Jewel. Like, I don't know. Um, but you've got Crown Jewel to get through. Then you've got Survivor Series. I just think it's way too soon to get him in that mix. Um, 
but it's just it's again to to you know for fear of using the word it's fun to speculate uh, because Bray Wyatt is back. Uh, most of us saw it coming, and we got the payoff we were looking forward to. Uh, PJ, uh, we're gonna sign off here. Is there anything else that you have to add before we sign off? No, I think we're good, man. I think we did it. We did a fantastic episode. I had a lot of fun with it. And I hope you guys did as well going through Extreme Rules 2022 from Philadelphia, the Wells Fargo Center. It was a very nice event. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's getting even better. Well, I enjoyed uh, talking about it. I enjoyed the Bray Wyatt discussion. Um, and I can't wait to see you soon. Uh, we're, you're you're going to be up here in about a month doing a show, so I'm really excited to actually see uh, Guardians Warlock in concert. Super excited about it. Uh, but for today's show... Yeah, we're actually, uh, now, now that you mentioned that, yeah, we're playing in Spartanburg at Ground Zero, November 10th. We're actually opening up for uh, a legendary metal band named Pentagram. That's been around since 1972, I believe. Uh, great band. Uh, pretty much... I mean, made do metal cool. Uh, so I'm really stoked that we're actually opening for them. That's a big deal for us. Yeah, and that was a really, it's a really funny story off the air that, that you discussed with me about how um, how this gig was was sort of booked. So really excited to see Guardians Warlock in concert in just about a month's time. But that's about all the time we have for this show. Hope you enjoyed our discussion, WWE Extreme Rules 2022, here on the show. We've got some really fun stuff coming up. Again, that, that word fun again. Uh, we've got some Halloween Havocs that we're going to break into. We had a, a listener request quite some time ago. I believe shout out to Volley Polly for that. Uh, we're going to probably do a show where we review a couple of Halloween Havocs. So a super jam-packed show there. Uh, maybe a watch-along in the very near future. So stay tuned for the, uh, for the wrestling shows we have coming up in a couple days. Another football show. We had a really fun... Again, I see PJ. I can't stop saying fun. A really interesting weekend in both college and pro football. So stay tuned for the football show in a couple days. But for your wrestling show this week, and for PJ Steven, it's your guy, Bully Rye, for tap outs and touchdowns. We'll see you next time. Why? Because I'll be around.